welcome. So glad you found us today. And if this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out and would invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are and how we could pray for you. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and say again, thanks for being part of our online experience and would invite you also to click on that card if there's something you'd like to let us know here in the office. Man, what another week it's been, and we were able to uh, celebrate the good work that's been done here in the Mansfield area through the Godsfield uh, Mansfield effort called March of Prayer. This is the fourth year for it. We were privileged to host on uh, Tuesday night. Again, many good things happened, not only in our space, and just grateful to be able to be a partner with the other 31 churches. It's just amazing to see what God has done in all the different traditions and all the different experiences and all the different kinds of music and the way people uh, leaned into worshiping God, but to all together make a statement that we are God's kingdom together and the things that we want to do in partnership with each other here in this community called uh, Mansfield and in Richland County, but as we have called this Godsfield here in Richland County. So with that, hope you'll continue to follow along on the Facebook page as we continue to create events. There's the National Day of Prayer coming up in May and other opportunities for you to join together in a concert of prayer to be asking God and petitioning God to act in our community in a way that will connect his people and even the idea of helping to connect others to the saving message of Jesus Christ. And we also want to stand in partnership with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. This last week, Mission Eurasia, which is the largest mission group to the Eurasia area, uh, headquarters was destroyed by the, the Russian army. And yet, Providentially, there weren't any members of the staff that were in the building. The building had been vacated, but it was tragic that some of the neighbors who lived within that vicinity there in that community lost their lives. I want to share with you a short video here of Alicia, who is on staff with Far East Broadcasting Company there in Ukraine, and how she can direct us in our prayer time together. Yesterday, I hosted a program telling our listeners that God is there with them despite the bullets flying over their heads and bombs exploding in their cities. Um, I put my daughters to sleep and wanted to get some sleep myself, but at 4.30 we had sirens and had to go to the bomb shelter. Please pray for those who heard the good news. Please pray for all of us, for our protection, and for us to trust God despite circumstances. Thank you. So as we hear her words, uh, it's simply we need to pray together. And so would you join me in prayer now? God, we are grateful for the fact that we can come before you in these times of uncertainty. And so we join with our brothers and sisters there in Ukraine and just ask for your continued protection. Also that you would work against the, the military in such a way there from Russia that you would frustrate their abilities and that you would bring about peace. We're grateful that we can come before you and pray these things and we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be present in a way to give comfort and peace and even rest in this season of war for those that uh, live there in that country. But we're grateful that for all these things you are concerned and so we pray it in your strong name. Amen. Why? It's a simple question with no simple answers. Why now? Why this? Why me? Is God even here? Is he listening? How can we know? 
We've made it through dark times before, and I want to have faith, but I still wonder, why? As we lean into this final week of our series here called Ever Wonder Why, where we've tried to unpack a number of big questions that I think many people have, I'd point you to the sermon archives here on, online that if you want to go back and listen or watch any of them. Remember some of the questions we've looked at are why does God let bad things happen or what, why would a God send somebody to hell? Uh, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Or how do I grow to trust a God who I can't see? And last week we looked at this, this question of what do I do when God feels far off? And so this week I, I want to begin uh, with, this, with a simple verse that we all know so well. And so here are these words from the Gospel of John. John says in verse 16 of chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. Many of us have memorized that verse, right? And I think many of us have leaned into being able to speak that verse from memory and think about that verse. And I'm going to guess that many of us have sort of embraced the idea that God does love the world. But I'm going to guess, if you're like me, there's been moments when we lean into these understandings about ourselves where I'm not truly sure that God loves me, that God really is concerned for me. And so I hope that you can relate with that idea uh, because I think it's just part of being human. You know, how could God love me? And you, especially when you think about the thoughts that you've had or the actions you've, you've committed, the things that you've said to other people, uh, all those, the idea of how could God love me even though I, I'm a sinner? And so the question we're going to wrap up our series with is this idea is, does God love me? Uh, and, and maybe I can say it in another way, way that, that the idea is that you are the one that Jesus loves. That's the thing that we need to hang on to and the thing that we need to walk in even when life seems to be complicated and we don't understand all the details. You see, part of it could be is that if you aren't sure of God's love for you, I'm going to guess it's because uh, we're thinking that you're thinking of the wrong kind of love. Because when we think about love, there's a number of loves that we need to unpack. And actually, what I want to do today is just look at the, basically the difference between two different kinds of loves. First, there's a love that loves. That's because whatever we're loving, that it's an object that has value to it. And that's probably the most common type of love that we know. In fact, I wrestle with sometimes when I get a request on social media or on an app that I've been using to, to respond with that I love it. That's the question they ask, and they want you to give it a number of stars. And I want to hold on to that idea because I, it's the idea that when I love somebody, it's at a different level than I, I love something. And so I, I don't want to use that phrase, I love, or, or to embrace something at the level of, quote, love, because it's not the kind of love that God wants us to sort of exercise, right? I mean, they're, they're, whether it's uh, shoes or uh, clothing or you know, the things that we, we own, our car or our house, whether it's the things that we have in our car, you know, the idea of cruise control or maybe heated seats. I mean, those are all things we can say we love, but that's not really the kind of love that we need to understand because that's a love that simply loves. Because whatever we're loving, we're giving value to that object because of that. 
but see, I think, at least I know in my story growing up, especially when I was in junior high, is that I think, like so many, I, I struggled with who I was. Even though I had parents that loved me, the, just the idea that sometimes I didn't feel very valuable, that I wasn't able to measure up to what God would want to love. But yet there's a second kind of love that I want us to see this morning, not just a love that, that loves because the object is valuable, but this idea of a love that loves and gives value to the object. You see, it sort of transfers a whole different kind of perspective. Now, I think when we think about the things that we love, right, that uh, we think back to our childhood or we think to things that we own even now, there are things that we own and they give us delight and give us pleasure. At the same time, they may not be perfect, whether it's the garden you're working in or whether it's the bike you ride, that there's always things that are sort of flawed and uh, things that you have to tweak and things that you have to make better. And yet we still love these things because of the pleasure they bring us, because of the joy they bring us. But, but I also want us to see that maybe in some way those things that we hang on to in that kind of way that that's a really good analogy of how God loves us. No matter how imperfect we are, no matter how flawed we may be, no matter how imperfect it may be, even maybe how broken it might be, is that uh, God loves us with an everlasting love that we're promised out of Scripture. And the beautiful thing is, is that nothing is hidden from God, that he knows about who we are. He knows all our flaws. He knows all our brokenness. He knows our scars. He knows where we have uh, kept things from other people that we've stuffed down deep inside and have kept hidden uh, because we don't want others to know that we don't measure up or somehow in our own mind we don't measure up, that somehow we're imperfect. There's this beautiful verse out of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's such an amazing truth. Such an amazing thing for us to understand. Because you see, what we need to embrace and really wrap our minds around is that God loves us, loves you with an unconditional and immeasurable love. God loves you with an unconditional and immeasurable love. The beauty of that is that it's the kind of love that doesn't look for what's worthy in the object, but rather it's the kind of love that gives worth to and actually gives value to the object. Because, you see, God doesn't love us because we're worthy of it. God, actually, because of his love, makes us worthy. Even the idea of Jesus coming into our lives, our human lives, even by being born to Mary and taking on flesh and moving into our neighborhoods, as I like to say, that quoting Eugene Peterson there from John chapter 1, is to be reminded that it's that understanding that gives us value in God's eyes. The writer of 1 John says this, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Now, that's an amazingly powerful verse. And what's even more amazing when we think about who wrote it. It even takes on more power, I would suggest. So do you know who wrote 1 John? You need to be see it wasn't John the Baptist. It was John the disciple. John had a brother named James, and together they weren't exactly what we would call uh, disciple material. 
they were uh, fishermen. They were men who were probably loud. They were probably a little rough around the edges. I'm going to guess their language was a little stronger than what most, most uh, uh, Jewish people understood at the day. They were fishermen, and they actually had a pretty strong reputation. Uh, and so when we think about this, in fact, as we unpack who they are, uh, when they talked about these guys, it, it wasn't about sort of these two gentle individuals. When we talk about these guys, they weren't exactly known about being the, the, the simple brothers. In fact, in Scripture, we read where they were known as the sons of thunder, which is kind of interesting, right? Sounds like a, uh, a serious motorcycle gang. And they're all wearing their uh, uh, leathers and riding the big bikes if they could. Now, I can't imagine why they were called Sons of Thunder, although I can maybe guess, and you can only imagine what it, it took to earn that kind of title. It's interesting when we look at the story of Jesus when he's here on earth, and we look in Luke's gospel in chapter 9, it's interesting here where Luke tells us that the people that were in that community didn't welcome Jesus. How did these uh, two men respond? Well, the sons of thunder, they didn't say, well, let's be polite to them and let's just love them anyway. Now, look here at Luke chapter 9, verse 54. It says, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That's not very welcoming, is it? And yet, and then what happens? Well, John, this brash guy called the son of thunder, takes and begins spending time with Jesus. And what happened to this man? I mean, you can only imagine how through the very moments of day-to-day -day life with Jesus, as Jesus loved on John, that he changed. And I think that's a really encouraging and hopeful thing for us as his people. Every moment of every day that Jesus walked with John, he showed him his love. Now, we don't know exactly when, and it probably took some time, but we do know that John's identity began to change. And how do we know that? Well, what's interesting here is that because John started calling himself by a, a different name. In fact, it's interesting that he does three times in the gospel call himself the one that Jesus loved. He was no longer the son of thunder. He was no longer John the hothead, because I'm thinking he probably was that at least, or John the screw up, or John who? He was John the one that loved Jesus. Now think about that. John, the one that loved Jesus. Here's what I want you to think about. No matter what your parents said, no matter uh, how your friends made you feel, no matter how you may have felt that you fell short, what you thought, or what maybe what you said, or maybe an action, the things that you did, think about this. You are the one Jesus loves. And in fact, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and just ponder that. And let me say that again. You are the one Jesus loves. Now, if you would, even to yourself, say that these words, I am the one Jesus loves. Think about that. I am the one Jesus loves. Now, I want to be clear about this. That's not a statement of pride. But what it is, it's a statement of a very clear truth. Now, what's amazing when we think about this, especially as we're uh, rolling up to uh, the Holy Week, when we celebrate what we call Christ's Passion, the Passion Week, we celebrate Christ's life and his death and his burial 
and then his resurrection, that we see that it, it's very simple, that God didn't just take and shout his love from heaven for us, that he came and showed us his love. Again, hanging on that statement that I've said so many times, that Christ took on flesh, that Jesus took on the flesh of being human and walked amongst us and experienced life with us as we did and do and will. And yet it's that common understanding of his humanity that for once is now forever part of the Godhead. And what's interesting, we think about to the, back to that season of Advent when we celebrate the coming of Jesus through the Virgin Mary, where Mary gives birth to a son and she's told that they are to call him Jesus. And, and why is that? Well, we're told, remind you, in scripture is that because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this idea of sin, you know, what is sin? Well, sin is simply missing the mark. It's just all that. It's that our good enough isn't good enough, as propaganda says, a friend of ours. But really, it's this idea where we feel unworthy of God's love, where we've missed out on what he's called us to be a part of. And so what I want to do this morning is just to remind you is that God loves us with a different kind of love. It's not a love that loves because the object has some kind of value. But I want you to see as clearly as I can offer it is that it's a love that loves because the love gives value to the one it loves. And it's really important we see that as we lean into each day. I think that's what's encouraging our friends in the Ukraine as they lean into this amazing season, as we've heard through Pastor Sergei or as we heard from Alyssa, she's even praying now that God would be present. And so it's interesting that in our own story, just to be reminded that there's this simple idea that Paul wants us to be very clear that we would be convinced. What? He says here in Romans 8, that neither death nor life that neither angels nor demons, that neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, when we really walk through that list, when we really listen to those words, and let me read it again, where Paul says he wants us to be convinced. And think about what this list includes, because there's really nothing left out, is there? that neither death nor life, that neither angels nor demons, that neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's our hope. That's our firm foundation. That's what we settle each day with as we wake up to move into the day. At least that's what we should be. And yet, we know there's so much that comes against us. And so we need to be people who operate from this understanding that our value and our place in life comes because God loves us. And so as we lean into this day and the days ahead, may we hang on to this truth that will change forever how we see ourselves and how we see each other. And so let's pray. God, we're grateful for these truths. We're grateful that there's nothing that can separate us from your love. Allow us to operate in that in all things. Allow us to extend that love to others who need to know you too. And so we just pray that through your Holy Spirit we may have those opportunities. And we pray it through your strong name. Amen. So just as a wrap-up to this series, I want you to think about this again. Some questions, if you will, to sort of make it practical. 
Remember Paul said here in verse uh, 8 of chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when you hear those words, I'm wondering what's your thought process when you read about God's unconditional love for you? Think about that. And then as we looked here and mentioned that there's these two different kinds of love. There's the one that loves because the object is valuable. And then there's a love that loves and gives value to the object. What do you think in your own mind are some of the differences between these two types of love? And then finally, as you think about this, when you consider God's love for you, what are the thoughts or feelings that you may have? And I just want to suggest if you're struggling with feeling worthy of God's love, uh, you can reach out to us. Uh, send an email to here at the church at hello at lindenroad.church and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you.